From November 30th to December 12th, the 28th United Nations Climate Change Conference, or COP28, was held in Dubai, where leaders from around the globe met to assess climate change initiatives and carbon emission goals, as well as the failure to meet them. One of the big projects of the conference was the Global Stockade Agreement, which was the first COP text to openly call on countries to wean off fossil fuels. However, according to Al Jazeera, the language within the text has been criticized for not using strong enough language to force countries to phase out fossil fuels in the near future. Other initiatives, like the Climate Disaster Loss and Damage Fund, created to support vulnerable communities and developing nations struggling to cope with climate disasters, failed to reach the amount of money needed to match the estimated $400 billion worth of climate change related damage, according to Al Jazeera with $700 million being raised. To learn more about the going-ons at COP28, and whether it's been considered productive in the wake of 2023 being dubbed the hottest year on record, I spoke with UCSB political science professor Lorelai Moosbrugger. Hi, Professor. Thank you for speaking with me today. I'm happy to do so. (laughs) Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Um, I'm Lorelai Moosbrugger, and I teach environmental politics as a lecturer at UC Santa Barbara, and I have been studying environmental politics now for about 30 years. Great. So from November 30th to December 13th, the 2023 United Nations Climate Change Conference, or COP28, occurred in Dubai. So leaders discussed how to limit climate change and prepare for its future effects. So who were the big actors to look to in COP28? Well, um, I would say the president of the conference was probably the biggest actor to look to in terms of how the conference was going to go. There was a lot of concern about conflict of interest, of course, with the president of the conference also being the head of the national oil company. So uh, that was a concern, especially because um, the UAE has plans for increasing its production, which seems to counter the goals of COP28. And so that was, I think, the most important actor, actually. Okay, and is that why um, the UAE, as a place to hold a conference, was a controversial decision? Absolutely. It's a petrostate. Um, so that was absolutely a, a reason for concern, um, why it was controversial, because you wouldn't expect um, the leadership to condone changes that would have a negative impact on it. Now, on the other hand, of course, that region of the world is suffering greatly from climate change. So I guess you could say that there was some hope that that would be a motivator as well. All right. And what was the United States' role in all of this? Well, um, you know that Biden did not attend. Um, Now there were other things going on. He was kind of busy at the time. So um, that might be understandable. But the United States has traditionally um, not been a positive force, all right, in this particular area in terms of commitments. Now, Biden, of course, has committed to investing in renewables and that type of thing, but we are still a huge producer as well. 
Okay, and so moving to what ended up occurring at the conference, um, one of the big headlines of COP28 was that leaders came to an agreement that signals the quote-unquote beginning of the end of the fossil fuel era, which according to the United Nations climate change press release, lays the ground for a swift, just, and equitable transition underpinned by deep emissions cuts and scaled up finance. Um, are you hopeful that this agreement will actually achieve the results we need? Or in other words, do you believe COP28 was productive? Well, it's always important that people make these statements. Okay, so I'm not gonna say that that was unimportant, but there aren't any real commitments and there's a lot of fudge room, all right? That I think a lot of people were reasonably, rightfully disappointed. This does not commit um, countries in any way. This doesn't have any teeth in it, all right? These are pledges. We haven't met our pledges before. And while there has been progress and there's a lot, there's reason to be hopeful, um, the problem is that we are up against tipping points. And we don't have reason to believe that we are actually going to be able to, for example, um, meet the Paris goal of keeping warming under 1.5 degrees Celsius. So we no longer think that's even a, attainable given um, the situation. So while it's valuable to have this language, I'm not saying that it's not valuable, it doesn't give me confidence in any way that we're gonna be able to um, move quickly enough in terms of decarbonization. And it left a lot of room for things like offsets for the UAE um, using its purchase of land in Africa, for example, in order to claim offsets and still be able to continue uh, producing fossil fuels um, as it has in the past, and increased production even. What kind of steps would you want to see international actors take to actually achieve tangible results? Wow, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, well, any kind of commitment that actually had teeth in it would be uh, committing to very specific goals. But I think we need to end, um, we need to end our use of fossil fuels much more quickly. And we need to not be talking about just net zero, but we have to decarbonize. So I think that we need a different mindset, all right, about the urgency of the situation. All right, and have there been any encouraging actions or initiatives that you wanna highlight that have recently happened? You know, I think that, <clears throat> putting a lot of money into um, creating incentives for businesses to invest in renewables and to move away from fossil fuels is the most hopeful for me because I really believe that it's going to be enterprises that are going to have to make the shift happen quick enough. And my concern is the speed at which we change, that we move off of fossil fuels. And so incentives, to use renewables and to make that shift. That's what governments can do. And that is the most promising thing for me that I have seen. And I think that uh, President Biden has been doing a good job and you know did a good job in that. And we're seeing movement on that. 
Um, so that would be the most hopeful thing for me is recently putting pol putting financial incentives, creating financial incentives for industries to shift off of fossil fuels. And they are getting cheaper. So therein is something that's extremely positive. Um, yes, speaking of President Biden, I know you mentioned he wasn't at the conference. Um, with the U.S. not having that strong of a presence at the conference, do you feel like that had an effect on um, the decisions that were made there, the conversations that were had there? A little bit, yes. I think that it is the most, I think it is something that is so important that I do wish that despite world events, that he would have recognized how important it was for the president of the United States to be there. All right, and then is there anything else you'd like to add for our audience? I think that the thing that I would like to add is that we still have reason that despite the fact that we're already not gonna meet goals and we haven't acted quickly enough in the past, all right? And we are facing really um, important tipping points now environmentally that I think more people should make themselves aware of. The information is out there. It is easy for individuals to find the information and understand what is going on. So I guess the first thing that I would say is it's an important thing to do to understand what's going on. And that information is available to everyone at their fingertips in a way that it hasn't been before. And it's easily accessible and understood so I would encourage your audience to actually know what tipping points we're facing and there's a, and um, become aware. Then the other thing that I would say is that it's important to remain hopeful and positive because the alternative won't get us anywhere. And to recognize that we can make these changes if we want to, that we need to make, and that we need to vote on them. We need to choose leaders that are going to recognize the importance of the climate emergency and act with all due haste in order to move to transition us away from fossil fuels. This is something that is not just about producers, although that is more important, but consumers can do things every day. And there is reason to be hopeful in that regard. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. With KCSB News, I'm Zoha Malik.